Hi everybody and welcome to the Junction Church Podcast. We pray that this message inspires and encourages you. If you would like to find out any more information about us, then please visit our website at www.thejunctionchurch.com. Thank you for listening. You know, um, uh, I want to speak about faith that makes your day great. We often speak about faith that changes your world, or faith that, that moves mountains. But I want to speak about faith that just makes your day good. Because at the end of the day, we really want a day that's good, don't we? We want a day that, we want each day to be a day of blessing, to be a day of, uh, uh, of encouragement. We want to put our head on the pillow and go, thank you Jesus, that was a great day. And faith is the only access to which we can do those things. When I was a child um, growing up, I, um, when I was actually very small, my, my father used to drive us around in the minibus. You've seen the picture of the minibus. I showed it to you a few weeks ago. And I remember sitting on my mum's lap on the front seat. Obviously, in those days, it wasn't so dangerous to drive without seatbelts. And, uh, and so it was perfectly acceptable for children to sit without seatbelts on their parents' lap in, in the front seat. And uh, so my um, father, he, he would drive, and when we were driving home, and I always remember it as being home from church because it would be, um, it, we would have the, the van full, and I would be sitting on my mum's lap, and you'd, I'd be sitting up high, transit van, hands on the dashboard, and a transit van doesn't really have much of a bonnet, so you've got windscreen you can touch, bonnet, and kind of road, and so it's quite... It's right there in front of you. And Dad would drive down the lane, and then instead of driving into the yard, he would drive and turn into the grass verge to reverse into the yard. But to do so, he would have to come up to the grass verge and beyond the grass verge, which is, in my mind, a very deep, deadly ditch that would freak me out every time he would drive up to it. I would just scream. And I remember this sheer panic because this sense of he's going to drive into the ditch, you know. And, and all of the, the rest of the family would just laugh at me because they knew, they, ha- they were all old enough, my brothers and sisters were all old enough to know we're not going in the ditch, we're not going to die. But in my mind as a, as a, as a child, and I have no idea how old I was, um, I couldn't have been... I was definitely, obviously, I was younger than maybe 18. And, um, <laughs> and, <laughs> and I don't know how old it was, but I remember the sheer panic of, of nearly going into the ditch and that sense of freaking out. But everyone else in the family knew that Dad was driving the van and he, he uh, never made mistakes and he just drove it reversed in and was ne- we were never going in the ditch. Add on a few more years, as I explained a f- later, I then grew into such a confidence in my dad's driving that despite his disabilities, he was able to throw that van into all kinds of... And I would just, come on, dad, just make that thing, like, just throw it round the corner. Come on, let's get this thing into a slide. And he didn't need a lot of encouragement, to be honest with you. And, uh, and so he would get that thing sliding, particularly when it was snowy and we had a van full of um, youth from the, um, with parents who were trusting my father because he looked quite safe and secure. And, uh, and we would just throw that. And I would, the, the difference between my teenage years and my child years was I had learned to have complete confidence that my dad was in charge. My dad knew what was going on. And I, and I knew that 
He knew what he was doing. Actually, if I think back now, I probably think perhaps he didn't know as much as I thought he did. (laughs) But that's okay. And so I realized that over those years, I'd learned to trust him because I had seen him working. I'd seen him the way he always operated. There was a consistency to my dad and the way that he always lived his life or the way he drove his vehicles. And it says in Hebrews chapter 11, Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6, it says, But without faith it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. You see, faith is one of those things like prayer that we wished we had more of. There are a few things that Christians, whenever you speak to, there's this sense in which they don't quite have enough of it. It's a little bit like, how's your healthy eating going? Yeah, I kind of wish I would, you know, no one's eating quite healthy enough. No one ever admits to going, yeah, I have a very, very healthy diet. And and if they do, there's something weird about them. (laughs) Genuinely. So... So everyone kind of feels like, and and faith is one of those things that you never really feel like you've got enough of. There's a sense in which we feel lacking in our faith life. And and prayer is one of those things that we kind of, you say, how's your prayer life? Should you pray more? Oh, yeah, I I really feel like I should. What about reading the Word? Should you? Oh, yeah. There's always this sense that we know there's so much more to our faith life. We sense, we get a great sense And the problem with faith is that people measure their faith life with those people who are doing much greater things. Um, It's a little bit like measuring yourself. um, If you enjoy going out for a run in the morning, some people are weird like that. And uh, and, uh, some people like to go for a run, but measuring themselves against an athlete who would run in the Olympics. And the moment you measure yourself against that person, you automatically come lacking. It's like, you can't, you see, you can't measure your faith against another person's faith. Because faith is only ever personal in terms of your relationship with God. It cannot be measured against another man's faith. It it was never designed to be so. And so, you have in the in the athletic world, there was a, there was a guy uh, called Peter Wilson in the 2012 Olympics. And I remember watching it. Um, it was an extraordinary event because Peter Wilson got a gold medal for shooting. Um, and I remember watching it and, you know, a gold medal, when, when Britain is sort of going for goals, you don't care what the gold is. Because in terms of the Olympics, really athletics is where it's really at, isn't it? That's the, the great, the Usain Bolts of... Uh, uh, of this world. That's where the drama and the, 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 the greatness, the magnitude of it. But when you're going for gold, it doesn't matter where the gold comes from because it all counts on the table. And this guy called P- Peter Wilson managed to get a gold with um, shooting. And I'm, I can't even tell you what type of what's it called, but he was basically shooting, um, moving targets at probably 20 miles away. Who knows how far? But he was shooting these targets and and the competitors that surrounded him, what was remarkable was, was most of the men who were competing in the Olympics in this particular were 
quite large. Is that, I can say that kind of, they were quite large and they were old too. They were kind of like Jim, but they weren't as healthy. And uh, they looked like, they, they weren't as healthy as Jim, but they were, they were definitely as old. And they, and they, I can say that because he's 80. And uh, so they were, and yet there they were competing in this sport where these got these, they had phenomenal accuracy. And you can't compare these sportsmen with Usain Bolt. But Usain Bolt would never get a gold. And he would never hit 50 out of 50 um, shooting two at a time, moving targets. <laughs> he would never be able to do that. Because his gifting, his, his life is something different. He's a runner. That's what He has legs and he runs. <laughs> and uh, his legs are very fast. So that's what he does. And you know, so it's really important for us to understand that you cannot compare your faith. You see, your faith cannot be compared to another person. We have to understand that your faith is a faith that has been called to rely and to lean on God, to discover. You see, great faith isn't about doing more things. It's not about receiving more. It's about our relationship and dependency on God. Right. Hebrews eleven six. let me read it to you again. It says this, But without faith it's impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God must believe that He is and that He's a rewarder of those who diligently Seek him. Nothing about this verse has, has any mention about faith to get, faith to do. It never mentions anything about the lifestyle of, I'm believing God for a new house, I have faith for a new house. It, none of it mentions anything about, I'm believing God for a healing, I must have faith for a healing. You see, here is the difficulty with faith. True faith. True faith is believing in God not about God. Alright? And here's the difference. It is easier to believe for a thing than it is to believe in Him. Because the thing is something you know. I am believing God for a new car. Actually, I am. But uh, <laughs> I'm looking at my old car and I'm going, hmm... And uh, it's, a, it's a sad day because I love my car. Me and my car, we have a relationship. But I'm beginning to terminate it. And uh, <laughs> I feel the need to <laughs> put it down gently. And uh, so <laughs> it's, like, it's like that in your dog. You know, you love your dog, but eventually you'll probably take it to the vets. And, <laughs> and uh, so it's life, isn't it? You all know you're out, live your dog. It has to do. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> I feel I got lost there somewhere. (laughs) So we can believe, so we tend to believe for a thing because the thing is something we know. We know that we need a car. We know we need a job. We know that we need money. We know that we need healing. We know we need friendship. We know we need relationship. We know, and there are physical things in a physical world. And so we believe for the thing and we try to use God to get us the thing. So I want that, so I must faith in Him. If I can have faith, God will get me that. But that isn't faith. Faith, for 2016, we have to have faith, and true faith is in God. End of story. The things that we receive from Him are a fruit of our faith in Him, not just because 
we named it and claimed it. Now it's good to declare, but we've got to understand that first off, our faith has to be a simple trust. It's got to be simple. My brothers and sisters, they had no problem trusting my dad because they were experienced in knowing that he never drove into the ditch. But I was too young to be able to understand that. And plus the fact I was sitting on my mum's lap in this kind of elevated, projected... It's like sitting in the cinema on the front row of this massive screen and all I can see is death looming (laughs) in front of me. But my siblings knew that Dad was never going to go into the ditch and so they were always confident. We've got to understand that their relationship, my, parent, my, my siblings didn't, weren't bothered because of their confidence in dad. In other words, their faith was in dad. And that made the journey enjoyable. We've got to learn to make 2016 a year where we project our faith into God so that the journey and everything that we see on the journey becomes enjoyable because we know God is leading us on it. You see, there is a journey we've got to go on. We have to understand that we have to believe that He is. You see, it says in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 16, verse 16 to 18, it says, Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. But my Father who is in heaven... And also I say to you that you are Peter and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. You know, we've got to understand that we must never underestimate the power of confession and the power of declaring who Jesus Christ is over our life because confession creates relationship. Alright? Now, when we confess, there has been... We're not confessing things, we're confessing Christ. I I really need you to understand that. We don't confess things. I can declare things, but I confess Christ. And there's a difference between confession and declaration. Declaration can say, you could say as a businessman, I'm going to be a millionaire. That's That's not a bad declaration, but that's not a confession. Your confession is in your relationship with Jesus Christ. And your confession is about the intensity of what and who you are in Him. Your confession. You confess. And so when you confess Jesus Christ, you are declaring a personal relationship with Him. You can't say to someone, say about someone that you love them if you never tell them that you love them. It's no good. There has to be a... A, I, I, I mean, let's not embarrass John and Hannah too much. Well, perhaps let's. And uh, <laughs> I, reckon, I reckon there's been lots of, just the last few days, I, I mean, I could be wrong here, but I reckon there's been, I love you. <laughs> no, I love you more. <laughs> I love you. No. <laughs> They're all loved up. They, she's got the ring. <laughs> And it's just been so exciting. And, but the relationship has been entirely founded upon the words that they say to each other. That's their confession. Without those words, they wouldn't be sitting engaged. You'd be sitting over there thinking, who is that kid? I don't know who he is. No words 
create no relationship. So, a relationship of faith needs a confession of love and declaration of who He is. You are Jesus Christ. You are my Lord. You are my King. You know what? When you get born again, you only get born again because you declared that Jesus Christ was your Lord and your Saviour. Until it came out of your mouth, there was not a miracle. But the moment you said it, a miracle took place because you covenanted with a King and a God, a Saviour and one who loves you, covenanted Him to walk with Him for the rest of your life. The moment you declare Jesus Christ, you are born again. And that declares a relationship. It makes it work. Now here's the thing about faith and, and our work. We spend our whole life trying to work out how. We spend our whole life trying, well, how's that going to work? How does it, you know, here's the amazing thing about being born again. It doesn't matter whether you are just saved or whether you've been born again for 40 years and you've got a doctorate in theology. Your faith works exactly the same. Because it's not based on what you know, it's based on who you know. It's based on who you know. And I, I see, I, there is a difference between um, myself and, where's um, OK? OK is over there. He's looking at me all sudden shocked. Oh my word, he's, he's mentioned me again. And uh, OK is a hero in the house. And um, and uh, OK is a, a doctor in chemistry, pharmaceuticals. Medicines, that kind of thing. He, anyway, he knows all about that stuff. He's got a doctorate and I've no idea in what. So, he, he could tell you exactly how paracetamol and ibuprofen works. Right? He can, he can tell you how. Right? But I've got no idea. I don't care. I just take them. And, and if he's got a headache, he takes them too and they both work the same. The knowledge of how it works makes no difference. Now, if you need to know the power that he has in knowing how it works, he can do all sorts of other things. But it still works for me. Here's the thing. You don't need to have to know anything about Christ, but when you know that he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, you don't need to have to explain the work of salvation or how you've been justified or made righteous or holy. You don't have to understand any of those things, but what you do need to know is that if you confess Jesus Christ, he will be the Lord of your life. He will set you free from the captivity of sin. He will break fear off your life and he will lead you on a path of peace and righteousness. You see, faith works by our confession of who Jesus Christ is. It is about the relationship. It's not about the thing. You know, in um, Acts chapter 3, I think it was mentioned earlier, we have a verse and it says, Acts chapter 3, Verse 1, now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate 
which is called Beautiful, to ask alms for those who entered the temple, who, seeing Peter and John, got to, about to go into the temple, asked for alms. And fixing his eyes on him, with John, Peter said, look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but that which I do have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. He took him by the right hand, lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up and stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew that it was he who sat begging arms at the beautiful gate of the temple, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Here's the thing about the man who got healed. He only got healed because of where he was sitting. He only got healed because of where he was sitting. And you would say, well, it's because he asked. Yeah, but he could only ask because he was where he was. You see, faith is about your position. It's about the place where you sit. It's a place where you rest your heart. This is what the amazing thing about the lame man. He had no knowledge of what God had for him. But he sat in the right place. Here's the important thing. When you sit in the house of God, you might be feeling like a cripple. You may be feeling restricted or restrained, but you happen to be sitting in the right place. Because when you sit in the right place, you're in the place where God can meet with you and bring a miracle and a transformation in your life. You see, faith leads you into a place of breakthrough. But you have to, the Bible says, those who diligently seek Him. In other words, you must diligently place yourself in a position where God can meet with you. If you avoid the place where God can meet with you, the miracles dry up. The the place where God, if you weren't in church this morning, what would you be doing right now? I mean... Reading the paper, having a cup of coffee, thinking about going outside, thinking maybe not, lighting the fire. It could be a nice thing. It could be a nice pleasant. Some of you are thinking, oh, that would be nice. (laughs) Maybe I should have done that after all. (laughs) Just put on some bacon and 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 crack some eggs and tomatoes and mushrooms and just, oh. You could be doing that, right? But you'll never meet with God. Because in the house of God is where you meet with Him. You have to put yourself in a place where you can meet with Him. You can please the soul, but the soul will never lead you into victory. You can, you can soothe the things of your heart and go, oh, well, you know, it's a little bit easier if I just do this. Or a little bit easier. But all the time you're doing that, you're positioning yourself away from where God can meet with you. Those who diligently seek Him, who just decide to get out of their seat, who make sure they sit in the house, who make sure they join with the family of the kingdom of God. Because when you accept Jesus Christ, you become part of an amazing family across the globe, a people who are standing up and saying, I confess Jesus Christ. He accepts every person from every walk of life. It's not who we are or not what we've done, 
It's who he is and what he has done. Let's believe in Jesus Christ for 2016. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or you'd like to find out contact information or service times, then don't forget to visit our website, www.thejunctionchurch.com. God bless.